0: Scott Harold is known for his interviews.
1: Boy, well, you're asking great questions. I think you're in the right career path, my <laughs> friend. Yeah, I really do. Scott
0: Harold's SOS Radio podcast starts, starts now.
1: According to the American Institute of Stress, Americans are one of the most stressed out people groups in the world, and we're talking about it with Rich Velotis on SOS Radio. How are you today?
0: I'm doing well, Scott. Good to be in conversation with you again.
1: You know, when we think about stress, there's
0: you know, there's all these stats
1: talking about how Americans are like 20 percentage points higher in stress than the global average. Why do you think that is?
0: <laughs> well, there's a lot of reasons, but I think the last couple years in particular, there's been this convergence of three forces in addition to the regular problems that we have. I've called it, we're living in a CPR world, a world in which our hearts are ailing Uh, We need to help breathing. And the CPR really is an acronym for a world marked by COVID, political hostility, and racial strife. And those three powers coming together, the convergence of those things have wreaked a lot of stress on our bodies and on our minds. And then we have the regular stuff like parenting and finances and marriage and relationships and all the rest. But we are certainly a stressed out society.
1: Rich, do you think we need to rethink everything we thought about anger management?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, in some ways, yes. And I think one of the things we have to rethink is the source of our anger is often something deeper. Anxiety, stress, grief. So without question, I think we need to rethink a lot of it.
1: We're talking with Rich Velotis today at SWS Radio, and he's a best-selling author, actually. As a brand new book, "Is good and beautiful and kind, becoming whole in a fractured world. and we want everything to be whole, and because we're chasing what Jesus taught, but we live in a place that's not whole. And on this side of heaven, it's not really even a reality. And it's like, do we just need to wrap our head around that before we start to even think about what's good and beautiful and kind?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. I, I think we do have to come to terms with in ourselves and between each other the fractured nature of our lives. And actually, you know, the title "Good and Beautiful and Kind" came from a poem from Langston Hughes, the great African-American poet, who said he wrote a poem called Tired, and and he says, I am so tired of waiting, aren't you, for the world to become good and beautiful and kind. Let us take a knife and cut the world in two and see what worms are eating at the rind." And what he's doing is, in that poem, he's naming our longing for wholeness. We yearn for it. We're longing for it. But until we're able to get beneath the surface To do what he says, kind of take a knife and cut the world in two, that's not language of division. That's language of depth. Until we can look beneath the surface of our lives, we're not really going to understand the wholeness that God longs for us to have. But that's the paradoxical way. Until we understand our fractured nature, we cannot really experience the wholeness that God has for us.
1: Now, riches obviously we live in a broken world, and Jesus assured us of that. But it doesn't really come to any surprise that our world's gonna be full of drama because it's broken, and people are broken, and systems are broken. But as Jesus followers, we don't want to contribute to the brokenness anymore. Where do we start to make sense of that? When we want to think about like being good and beautiful and kind.
0: You know, it's funny, and this is the counter instinctual way of the way of Jesus. The way that we become whole and work towards wholeness is in recognizing and confessing our own fractured lives. This is why I think in many ways the church should be leading the way in the practice of confession. When people think about confession, they usually think of confessionals, they think about the booths that are in particular Catholic churches or what have you. But what I think the world desperately is longing for are a group of people who recognize we have been participants in the fractured nature of the world, and we want to recognize that and move away from it. So I think the way that it begins is by recognizing that we are in some way contributing to the fractured nature of the world, and the sooner that we can confess that, the sooner that we can open ourselves up to God's grace and God's spirit and to allow God to do in us and for us and through us what we cannot do for ourselves.
1: So let's talk about that idea of confession a little deeper. Like, okay, there's the part about saying, Yeah, I did something wrong and I wanna be different. That's part of it. But then there's some deeper parts of it too where it's like the grief based off of what we've done and owning, you know what? I may have done some terrible things that I've gotta own and there's you know collateral damage that happens with that. And then there's a the whole idea of lament as well when you're walking through really tough times and We don't talk a whole lot about that in our modern
0: age. And you know what? These are resources that the church has, that the body of Christ has, that followers of Jesus have. This might be the most important aspects of our witness to Jesus. Because the world right now, Scott, is at a place where everyone is pointing the finger elsewhere. It's very easy to say the reason the world is in trouble is because of those people, whoever, fill in the blank with whoever those people are. But I think confession, repentance, lament, grief, all of these things are to so position our hearts to begin to imagine a new social reality, a new way of following Jesus in this world. You know, Jesus said to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wants us to follow him and see his kingdom have signs of goodness, beauty, and kindness today. And while we recognize that, that's not going to happen in its fullness until Jesus comes and makes all things new. We can begin to participate in the kingdom of God today.
1: How do we lose goodness and kindness and beauty? And more importantly, how do we get them back into our lives? We're actually talking about that with Rich Velotas today at Eswiss Radio. and He's an author, pastor. Rich, where do we start practically when we feel like we're just caught in a cycle of brokenness that keeps churning and churning and churning around us?
0: You know, I, I do think it requires us to rethink prayer in many ways. You know, I'm a pastor, and so I talk a lot about prayer, and trying. To, one of my chief goals as a pastor is to help people pray. Because I think when we pray, we open ourselves up to God's life, to God's resources, to God's love, to God's grace. But I do think, Scott, it requires a rethinking of what prayer is. Prayer, as far as I'm concerned, is often marked by transactionalism. That is, I say certain words in a particular way, with a particular kind of intensity of heart or sincerity of heart, and then God does his thing, his part. You know, I speak, God delivers. And so prayer is often just this cosmic vending machine where I just give God my list and God delivers. But I do think prayer is more than just getting stuff for our lives. I often believe that prayer is about communion with God, presence with God. And what happens in that kind of prayer in which we are sharing presence with God without needing to receive anything is it trains our souls and our minds to be present to others. You know, whenever I pray, I end, up, I end my prayers with a very simple biblical verse. I say, Lord, can you help me love you with my heart, soul, mind, and strength and help me love my neighbor as myself. And I end my prayer sessions every time like that because I do believe that prayer is the source and the place of goodness, beauty, and kindness because it's in that place where we open ourselves up to the life of God. And so very practically, I do think that's the first step towards moving towards wholeness.
1: Conflict isn't anything that we look forward to, but maybe we could rethink how we work through it. We're talking with Rich Volotis today at Eswiss Radio. Conflict isn't enjoyable for anyone, but there's ways to practice it in more healthy forms so we can actually pursue an outcome that's actually life-giving. And Rich, what does healthy conflict practically look like?
0: You know, it is so true. No one likes conflict. And listen, I I wrote a chapter on conflict because it's something that I need to wrestle with in my life as a whole. And so I think part of the challenge with conflict is we often believe that conflict is A sign of unhealth. And so part of of the challenge is we need to rethink conflict as something that's not bad, but something that actually is necessary. God, I have conflict with myself. Uh, How much more am I going to have conflict with, with someone else? And so I do think very practically that conflict requires a couple of things. I think it requires healthy confrontation. Most people tend to avoid conflict like the plague. We ignore people, we avoid people, we block them on social media, we avoid them at the supermarket, and I do think it requires a healthy confrontation. Beyond that, I think it does require us to have a healthy sense of listening and learning how to speak. It sounds kind of crazy, but listening and speaking are the two very simple tasks of being human and working through conflict. And yet it's some of the most difficult things for us to do. And so how do we step into the shoes of other people to be curious about what they might be seeing and experiencing? And how do we speak in such a way that is clear and kind and timely and loving to work through our conflicts? But it is indeed something hard, but I'm, con- I'm convinced that if we don't learn how to do this well, it's going to be very difficult for us to flourish individually as well as interpersonally.
1: Yeah, like you said, conflict is all about listening, but it's also more than confrontation too. Because I think that's a lot of times where we stop. It's like, okay, I got an issue. I'm going to work through this by addressing it with you, and then we leave it there. But a peacemaker is someone who's willing to actually not just confront it, but to work through it while they're sitting in it.
0: Absolutely, and, and that is actually right. There is a difference between kind of being a peacekeeper, in which I want to do everything I can not to rock the boat, not to make anyone upset. But to be a peacemaker means there are times when emotions will be intense and tempers will flare in some ways, but the challenge is not that we avoid those things, but that we lean into those things in love, in humility, in grace, and praying for the kind of understanding and reconciliation that God longs for us to have.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just think a lot of times we just think about a peacemaker and a peacekeeper as like synonyms and... They're really not, because one's willing to sit in that space for a long time and work through it with the benefit of the other person in mind versus the benefit of me in mind, which is just being somebody who's confrontational.
0: Absolutely right. And that, and that requires lots of humility. It requires me, you know, in our church, we talk a lot about incarnational presence or incarnational listening, leaving our world to enter into someone else's world. And I think followers of Jesus need to lead the way in that because this is a fundamentally Christ-like way of being, of entering into the world of others. And that might be the first invitation, especially in conflict. How can I enter into this person's world to understand where they're coming from? And imagine if we were doing that for each other the world will be healed in, in about seven minutes, Scott, if we did that for each other.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the hostility and rage and offense, they're like the language of a fractured culture. We're talking <laughs> about how we can work through that with Rich Valotis today at SWS Radio. He's an author and he's a pastor. It's interesting, Rich, because even the Apostle John, he talks about the enemy as like a murderer, you know, all the way from the beginning. Like not holding back, you know, not holding on to truth. He says there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he's a liar and a father of lies. When we, we want to actually deal with hostility and rage It's good to start by saying, okay, what is the lie that I believed, and what's the lie the other person's believed, and then we could talk through it if we're willing to listen.
0: You know that's absolutely right, and and I think that is one of the most challenging and important invitations for our lives. There's so many deceptive messages that we believe, whether it's coming from the evil one, whether it's coming from our upbringing, the way that we are understanding the world, until we're able to very clearly. And this takes prayer, this takes reflection, this takes conversation. Until we're able to identify those deceptive messages, those lies, we're not going to be living from a place of truth, a place of self-understanding, which helps us enter into the space of others. But you're absolutely right, Scott. I mean, it requires us to name lies. But in order to do that, it takes a level of discipline, of self-awareness, of community And because the evil one prowls out like a lion, feeding us lies, and much of the world is in the trouble it's in because we have allowed ourselves to be formed by these deceptive messages.
1: You know, it's interesting because there's all these different voices that just speak into our life. Obviously, you know, there's the flesh, which a lot of times we want to blame everything on the devil, but then the devil's another real voice that influences us, but then the Holy Spirit's another influence as well. We forget about how He overcomes all that, and when we're Jesus' followers, He lives inside us. So what have you learned about safeguarding your heart against lies so you can actually hear the voice of the Holy Spirit when the other voices feel so much louder?
0: Yeah, you know, what I think it's required is a willingness to sit down in contemplative ways, to sit down without hurry. I think as we allow ourselves Entrance is self-examination, which is an important word for me. Self-examination, in self-examination, I open myself up to the Spirit of God to feed truth, and whether it's coming through Scripture, whether it's coming through you know promptings in my heart, it does require a level of patience with ourselves. And here's another phrase I like to use: it requires compassionate self-confrontation. It's very easy to get down on ourselves when we think about the gaps in our lives but the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into compassionate self-confrontation where we can confront the lies and actually live in the truth.
1: We're talking about becoming whole in a fractured world, and we're talking with Rich Velotis today at SWS Radio. He's a best-selling author, and he's a pastor in New York City. You wrote a book called Good and Beautiful and Kind, and it's based off of uh, Langston Hughes' poem. That's where the line came. He's an African-American poet. and You know, when we're thinking about like how to actually find some wholeness in a broken world. You see that there's a lot of collateral damage. You know, it's like we make choices and they affect other people. And when we look at God and we try to place goodness on him or see goodness in him, a lot of times we just see the brokenness because people have made terrible choices and they do affect us. You know, what it
0: does. And I think part of wholeness is recognizing what is our definition of wholeness. And the way I try to think about wholeness is not moral perfection. Wholeness is not doing the right thing all the time. Wholeness in the way of Jesus is at its core about love. It's about, yes, integration. It's about interiority, that is, introspection. But at the core of it, it's love. I know I'm following Jesus faithfully when my life is loving well, which is why Jesus says, you know, we see in Deuteronomy 6 and repeated in the Gospels. You know, that we are to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and and our neighbors ourselves. That's the greatest commandment. And that is wholeness. And when our lives are oriented towards love, what we find is that it's not just our individual lives that are experiencing wholeness. Together as a community, as a people, as families, as churches, as a society, we can begin to experience wholeness as well, because at the core of wholeness is loving well. And I think that is the way of the kingdom of God.
1: Yeah. So good. The book just released is called Good and Beautiful and Kind, Becoming Whole in a Fractured World. We're talking with Rich Velotis on SWS Radio. Hey, thank you so much for sharing some of your wisdom with us today, Rich.
0: Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thanks for downloading the SOS Radio podcast. If you enjoy the discussion and want to help the podcast
1: grow, you can make a $10 donation through sosradio.net or inside the SOS Radio app. Thanks for your generosity. It helps us experiment with new things and keep the discussions fresh.